0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Amen. She called y'all out with that one. (laughs) Stay standing real quick as you turn... uh, Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited. Anybody excited for what God is going to do through this uh, children's ministry? We have seen uh, just blessings over blessings in every one of our ministries, and and we know that God is going to continue to do his work. He's not done uh, with us. And praise the Lord for for his word this morning. Um, Pastor Danny spoke a word that was very much, I'm not even surprised anymore, They're very much in line with this word that God has for you this morning. Um, and if you have your Bibles, Exodus 33, one through three, give me one second, hold on, let me, let's put this on real quick. Gonna... Lord, be with the Astros tonight, Father God. Give us favor, Lord. And open up our hearts and our minds, my God, to receive your word this morning, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Come on. Exodus 33, 1 through 3, you there? Amen. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to which I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Amen. And the energy in the room just... (laughs) You may be seated this morning. Praise God. Anybody happy to be in the house of God? Amen. I want to give uh, God thanks just for another year of life for my wife. She turned 35 this Friday, looking finer every year. Amen. And yesterday we went to uh, we went to six flags for for Layla. She'll she'll be turning eight um, this Wednesday. So it's an expensive month for us. Uh, So if y'all want to bless us, you can. But uh, the Lord has tugged on my heart this week to speak um, on the subject of blessings. How many of us don't desire to be blessed by God? Amen. Um, and you know, it's not just a spiritual or a hopeful thing to say that the Lord wants to bless his people. It's, it's a biblical and a theological truth. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. Now, before you go buying like lottery tickets... We need to understand what that means, to be blessed, because we have an Americanized view of blessings. If a preacher were to come up here and say the Lord is getting ready to pour blessings over this church, our minds immediately go to resources and money and people and influence and expansion. In fact, I got a word this morning from from a sister that said God is about to bless you. With money I'm like, all right, I'll be ready. But that's kind of what we think about when we think of blessings. When you pray, Lord, bless my family, what exactly are you praying for? What, is it, what does it look like to have a blessed life? Jesus opens up Matthew 5, his Sermon on the mountain, with what's known as the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are blessings. And so Jesus opens up with the sermon, with the series of blessings. Now, he doesn't define the word blessing because blessing can be a a lot of things. But he does define what a blessed life looks like. And it's very different than what we would imagine. So verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the blessing. He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comfort is the blessing. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So nowhere in here does he say blessed are the wealthy, for they will have an abundance of resources. He doesn't say blessed are the people with power and the people with influence, for they shall rule the earth. He doesn't say blessed are the big churches or blessed are the influencers and the famous. I'm not saying that those don't constitute blessings. The Bible says that Job was was blessed with wealth and Solomon was blessed with great wealth. And it also doesn't mean that if you're broke, you're automatically blessed. You might just be broke because you can't manage a budget. Right. And God actually does have more for you. But what I want you to walk out of here with today is the understanding that a blessing isn't defined by you and me. It's defined by God. I can give you an idea of what I would like my life to look like. But even if I had everything I ever wanted, if God wanted none of it for me, I can't say that I'm blessed. And uh, I believe that there's people in the room today. I, I know it. People wondering where their blessing is. Because when God said you were going to be blessed, he didn't say with what? Man, you know, the Lord has given me word um, before to speak to people. He he would say, tell this person that I'm about to bless them. And that is one of the things that I'm like, God, I don't know. That's that's super vague. You know, like if you want to make somebody cry in the presence of God, just whisper in their ear, the Lord is about to bless you, right? And they will fall to their knees and I'll receive it, Lord. And I'm like, God, I, I don't. I don't want to sound false prophety or prosperity gospely. Those aren't words, but like he would tell he, I, I would, I would really feel that tug on my heart. Go tell this person that I'm about to do something in their life. And I'm like, God, give me more information. What is what, what are you gonna do in their life? And I realized that when we hear those words, the Lord is about to bless you, we automatically interpret it. The word blessing in the way that we hope it to mean. But I I think that if we open up our hearts more to what God uh, wants to do instead of what we want him to do, we will be more in tune with the blessings when they begin to manifest. We'll begin to see what they are. There are people in this congregation who God wants to bless with more of his spirit. God wants to give you more of himself in you. He wants to produce fruit in you, right? And so so that blessing that God wants to bless you with, it might come in the form of faith. And so you're saying, well, God, why am I in this season of testing? Where is this blessing of which you spoke? And God is saying, you're living in it. You're being stretched right now. You don't, you don't see it, but you are learning how to trust me in ways that you never did before. You are calling to me when before you would call to everybody else. You are learning how to be still in my presence and withstand the storms. That is the blessing that I have for you. Well, why the cancer, God, when you said that blessings were coming? What if the cancer is the thing that produced the blessing? We went, we were, we went to eat with Haiti and Herbert last week. I think Haiti's teaching the kids, but she was talking about uh, her testimony of her cancer, how last year she didn't understand why she was going through what she was going through, probably the hardest year of her life. But now she's able to look back and, and, and realize, man, I am now off, uh, offering hope to people who are going through the same thing. I don't, I don't know what your blessing is, but I know that God truly desires blessings for his people. And so if I had a biblical definition for the word blessing... I would say that it's the favor of God over your life. That's what a blessing is. It is the favor of God over your life. If I am favored by God, I will be blessed by God. And if I am not favored by God, I will not be blessed. In theology, there's this concept called common grace. And common grace is the grace that God has bestowed to all his people, all creation, regardless of their salvation. We are all blessed with oxygen to breathe. We are all blessed with the warmth of the sun and the coolness of the night. Jesus sums it up by saying God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, I can't speak for you. But that's not the type of blessing I'm satisfied with. I'm Grateful for it. Thank you, Lord, for the sun. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. But I want the favor. I want the favor of God with me over my life. I want the presence of God in my decision making. Everywhere I go, listen, I want to know that God is not only walking behind me to protect me from my stupidity. I want to know that he is walking in front of me because he's leading me there. If if God isn't with me, it's because he doesn't want it for me. I remember 12 years ago, almost to the date, I I sent a message to my my father-in-law. Out of nowhere, I don't think I had ever texted him before in my life. And I sent him this text message saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something, quote unquote, something. And so he probably already knew what, what it was about. I said, I'd like to stop by your house and talk to you. And so I coordinated with Melissa's sisters at a time when she wasn't going to be there. And I went and I sat down in front of my, 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 my now um, father-in-law, mother-in-law. And I didn't beat around the bush, you know, I just went there. I was like, I'm here to hopefully get your blessing to marry your daughter, and thankfully he said it's about time. I've been together forever, um, and so I shook his hand. I was out of there in ten minutes. All right, all right. I'm just, short and sweet, <laughs> just like my wedding ceremony. Short and sweet. I'm trying to be there all day, but I, I wanted his blessing. Like that was a true, like that was a desire of mine. I wanted, I wanted to walk out of there seeing a sense of joy on his face because his daughter was about to hit the jackpot, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted his blessing, not only out of respect for him, that was a part of it, but I wanted it also for my peace. I wanted to know going into this marriage that he was for it, that he was going to support us. You know, had he said, well, you, you can do whatever you want, you're adults, but I don't approve of it. I would have walked out of there defeated. I I didn't want him just to say, sure, do what you want. I wanted his support. I wanted him to embrace me as a part of his family. I wanted him to be able to trust me that I was going to take care of his daughter. I wanted him to be happy for his daughter. I wanted him to pay for a little bit of the wedding. That's support. That's a blessing. I wanted wanted to have the favor of my father-in-law over any other guy that Melissa could have married. I didn't want an, ah, you'll do. I guess. I wanted his favor. Now, a lot of times we go through life having the approval of God, but not having the favor of God. And we've mistaken approval for blessing. Well, I'm blessed because I got the car loan. I'm blessed because I got the house. I'm blessed because I got the job. But, but just because God approved, of it, approved it doesn't mean that he blessed it. Doesn't mean that he's with you in it. And we get this confused a lot because we think that a yes is a yes from God. God is sovereign. God will allow you to walk off a cliff if he wants you. But who are we to say that was God? Thank you for my blessing. We call the approval of God often the blessings of God. And, and, and we have to look, you know, we, we, uh, we, we have a lot of people who look at their lives, right? Right. And, and you look at their life, and, and it looks like you've, you've, you've got a pretty good life. It looks like the marriage is good. It looks like the money is good. It looks like, you know, they've got it all together. And maybe all of the above is true. But then they wonder where the presence of God has gone from them. I got all these things together. I've got all my ducks in a row, but where's my anointing? Where is the rema word of God? Why can't I hear from God? Where is the joy? Where is my freedom? Where is my peace? Why am I still angry in the midst of having all these things? It could be because you have mistaken God's blessings for the things that he's just allowed you to have. And as people of God, any people of God here this morning? Who am I talking to? Okay, look, as people of God, we shouldn't be satisfied with just the approval of God. We should desire the favor, the favor of God. Jesus said, Lord, Father, if you will take this cup from me, I don't want this. I don't want to have to do this. But then he says, but hold on, let your will be done, not my will. Because even though I want the thing that I'm asking for, what I want even more than the thing that I'm asking for is your favor over my life. I want your plan to be done in my life. I don't want to lead my own life. I want you to lead it. Church, God's presence. I want you to hear this. This is like my whole sermon. These five words. God's presence is the blessing. God's presence is the blessing. That is the whole message behind this passage. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and I will bless your descendants. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, on the surface, God was talking about land. He was talking about making the people of Israel into a nation and and giving them a land flowing with milk and honey, a place that they could call home. But really what God was doing was establishing his people who would be called holy. We talked about this last week. God was making Israel into his treasured possession. Segula is the Hebrew word for treasured possession. And it literally means mine. God was calling a people to be mine. And so Deuteronomy says, for you are a people holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples of the earth. Israel was called to be set apart. They were called to be holy if they remained faithful to them, uh, to God, God would bless them. And if, they, and if not, God would what? Curse them. If you read scripture, especially the Old Testament, every time Israel entered a season of curses, it would begin with God stepping back. I got your attention, right, this morning? Uh-huh. I got your attention this morning? I need you, I need you to get this word this morning. Because God is desiring people of the presence. God is, de- God is desiring a church that truly desires him. And, and in Israel, they got, this, they got it wrong so many times because they were missing the whole point of who they were called to be. In their minds, they were the people of God, but they didn't act like the people of God. In their minds, they were, they were the people of God, but they wanted to do things their way, not God's way. And so anytime God would bless, uh, or anytime God would curse them, it would begin with God stepping back. And it wasn't just God taking things away from them, he was removing himself from them. Because if you are going to do something out of the will of God, God is not going to go ahead of you. He might pull you out when you realize that you made a mistake and you repented. And then out of those, out of those mistakes, he can make something beautiful because that is just the power and the glory of God. That's what he does. But God will not walk ahead of you to a place that is outside of his will. The the Hebrew word for presence is panim. Somebody say panim. And panim has a range of of meanings in in the English, but they all seem to refer to the front. So some English words that are used for panim are, are front, before, face, and head. So To have the presence of God with you isn't just to have him around, it's to have him with you and before you. It's having him take the lead. See, when the Israelites brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle with the Philistines, they they reasoned, well, if we have the Ark with us, surely we're going to win. Because the Ark represented the presence of God. So let's just bring the Ark of the Covenant into the battlefield and we're going to win. And did they win? No. Why? Why didn't why did God not allow them to be victorious? Because even though the ark was present, God was not with Israel. God was present, but his favor was not with Israel. And so you're, you're walking into a place where God already said, don't go there. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. God said, don't do it. Don't say that. Don't enter that relationship. Don't, don't go there. And you're like, well, if I just put on my worship music, God will be, be with me. I'll just blast it really loud. Well, I'll just say a prayer. And maybe he'll be with me. You have to understand that, that God may be around to clean up your mess. But if God's favor is absent from where you are going, with who you are dating, with what you are doing, he will not go before you. He will not stand in front of you to protect you when the hand of the enemy comes your way. Because when God is for you, he stands in front of you and no weapon formed against me shall prosper because God is right there in front of me. And even though I'm in the valley, even though on the mountaintop, it doesn't matter because God is with me. But when I'm going to a place where God didn't even sanction, he's going to step aside. And how foolish of us how foolish of us to, to, to think that we're always going to have the favor and the protection of God when we are deliberately going into a direction where he said not to go. And, 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 and be careful, because if the presence of God isn't with you, the blessings of God will definitely not follow you. We don't talk about hell a lot. but what is hell? It's a total absence of God. Nothing of God's presence will exist in hell. It is is a total removal of his presence. And with it comes unending pain and anguish and agony and suffering, and there's no hope. So if the curses of God begin with God being absent, then the blessings of God begin with God being present. You want the Lord's favor in your marriage. It begins with him being present in your marriage. Like in your marriage. He has to go before you. He has to go ahead of you. He has to lead you. You want the Lord to bless your business. God needs to be in your business. You want God over your ministry, over your church, over your project, over your family. God needs to be present in every aspect of life in which you wish to have the blessings of God at the at the end of my life and Melissa's life you know everything that we have and i hope to have something is going to go to our children every everything every asset every piece of real estate everything is going to go to our daughters because they are our children doesn't mean that i don't love your children it's just th- they're my children i'm going to give them my blessing right and so god wants to bless his children that's what he wants to do that's what that's why he called israel he wants to bless his children. But when we begin to exclude God's presence and we turn, we turn our backs to God in certain aspects of our life, well, then, then God stops seeing us as his. And God will not take ownership of something that has not been consecrated for him. I want you to notice something interesting in the text. God tells Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt. I'm going to read that again. Depart go up from here you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Do you notice something different there? Up until now it has been my people whom I have brought out of Egypt. God said to Moses, "Go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I am with my people. I will bless My people, they are my people. They are my treasured possession. I brought them out of Egypt. I parted the Red Sea. I led them through the wilderness. I I, I am theirs and they are mine. But now it's take your people who you brought out of Egypt. So Israel had just broken covenant with God. That's the context of this. All this takes place after the golden calf incident where God, uh, where where the people were making Aaron carve this golden image so that they could worship it. Now, before that, they had made a covenant. They had made a promise with God to be holy and to be his, and they broke it. And so because they broke it, God was no longer going to claim them as his people because they turned away from him. But, you know, God is still faithful in his promises. He wasn't going to forget about the faithful. God wasn't about to forget about the promise that he made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so he says, take your people, Moses, and go into the land that I swore I would give them. It will still flow with milk and honey. All the enemies are still going to be driven out because God is faithful that way. But the presence will no longer be there with you. God can no longer walk with these people. Because they rejected him. Now, I know most of us haven't rejected God. I'm I'm speaking to a room full of Christians, right? Most of us are walking with God. So what's the point of this sermon? I was talking to somebody this week. And they said, Pastor, I've asked God into my life. But there's so many areas where I'm still not seeing the hand of God. Like there's so many areas that are still flawed. Flawed. And I asked this person, I said, I said, is God in every room? Now, what do you mean? I said, if you think about your life like a house, can you say that God inhabits every room in the house? That, that, that's what spiritual maturity looks like. It's saying, Holy Spirit, come into my life and then giving him access to every single room. When you invite a person into your house, do you expect them to go in every room? When, when you invite somebody into your house, you, you're, 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 you're friendly to them, you serve them, maybe you sit down for a meal, you invite, or you invite them to sit at your table, and, and you clean all the visible areas of the house. You clean where they're expected to go, the living room, the family room, the dining room, the game room. And all the junk that was in the game room gets thrown in the bedroom or the closet because you don't expect them to go there. And so when we invite God into our lives, we have those rooms where we're like, well, God is not going to go there. I'm not going to give him access to that. I'll give him access to my heart, but not my mind. I'll give him access to my mind, but not my words. I'm going to give him access to my time, but not the things that I listen to, not the things that I watch. I'm going to give him access to some things. And so I asked this person, is God in every room or just in some? Because I think that that is the problem that we have as Christians. We don't give God access to everything. Everything. And that's the question I want to ask this morning. It's not, have you rejected God in your life? The question is, have you allowed him everywhere? Because if the closet is is a mess, it's still going to remain a mess as long as God is absent. Some of you have addictions that you just haven't given to God yet, and that's why you still have them. And you're saved and you're here and you love God, but you haven't broken certain chains because you haven't given him the chains to break. God is a chain breaker, but he He has to have the access to it. And so some people have come to the altars and they prayed for everyone and everything except that one thing that they're not willing to let go of. You haven't given God access to everything. God my pride, remove it. God, my anxiety, my, my relationship that I know you don't approve of. Like It's like we have all these elephants in the room and we pray, but we avoid the things that we should be praying for. Is God in every room of your life? That's the question that I have for you, church. I want you to know something that you know, is probably missed when we read about the golden calf. That's in uh, 32, chapter 32 of Exodus. It, in, in ancient Israel, in the ancient Near East, it was very common. And let me just get your attention. I'm going to give you, I'm going to bore you with a little bit of historical details. But in the ancient Near East, it was really common for gods to be reduced to carved images. Very common. And it wasn't that the pagans believed that the images were gods, but they believed that the image represented their gods. And so Israel was fully immersed in this culture. And so when they carved the image of the golden calf, in their minds, they weren't rejecting Yahweh. They were embracing Yahweh in the form of a statue. But why did they even feel the need to do this? Well, because Moses, the prophet, the man of God, who represented Yahweh to Israel and Israel to Yahweh, he wasn't around. He was up on the mountain somewhere, goofing off. What is he even doing up there? How long is he going to be up there? And so eventually... They think, well, the only way that we're going to have access to God, because it used to be through Moses, but we don't know what happened to him. Now it's going to have to be in the form of a carved image. Aaron, give us a carved image that we can touch and we can see and we can worship. And so what the Israelites did was they failed to trust. We're going to reduce Yahweh to an image that we can see and that we can speak to and that we can touch and we have access to directly. They made themselves God over Yahweh is what they did. And so anytime you think that you can rationalize or justify what you're doing by taking God with you, God is not a thing to be taken. But man, we we do it so many times when when, when it's something that we want. When it's something that we want, what do we say? I think the Lord is calling me to this. You want to, to plan a church just because you're mad at your pastor? I think the Lord is calling me to this. You entered a relationship that you probably should not have entered. I think the Lord is wanting me to take a break. You plan to do something that is against all the godly counsel. And you're like, no, nah, I already prayed about it. That's what we do. I'm going to take God with me. I'm going to reduce him into something that I want. That's not the presence of God. God's presence, church, is the blessing. You want to be blessed by God? God has to bless it first. You want the job to produce the blessing, God has to bless you with the job. And so recently I started asking myself, well, man, what, where have I rejected God? Because, man, honest to God, I, I never, ever, ever want to be outside of the will of God. I know that I'm going to stumble. I know that I'm going to make mistakes. But I never want to embrace an aspect of my life where God is just not there. Every decision, every business's decision, every ministry decision, Every family decision, God, are you in this or is this me? Sometimes I take a long time to make decisions, big decisions, because I, I, I want to hear from God. Lord, are you in this? I don't want to make I, It's so easy to to make a move out of emotion and say, God, God had me do it. Church, if God isn't in it, remove it. That's my challenge to you. If God isn't in that relationship, if he's not in that project, if he's not in that financial burden that you're about to take on, remove it. Because when we begin to, uh, when we take too long, we begin to be too comfortable without God's presence. That's when we begin to contaminate every other area of life. See, Moses, Moses was a man of God. The presence of God was with Moses. Very much so. And so for Moses to hear the words, my presence will not go. That had to be the scariest, most heartbreaking thing that he'd ever heard in his life. Imagine saying, uh, imagine God saying to you, my presence will not go with your children at school. Imagine, imagine God saying, I will not be with you in that operating room. I will not be with you in your financial decisions because you haven't even considered me in the many ways. How heartbreaking would it be to hear those words from God? But we don't realize that if we've rejected God in any of these areas, he's already not there. When we reject godly counsel, when we reject, when we don't let God work through our our, our pride, when we put idols in front of God in the form of ambitions and, and our own desires, we are rejecting God and we don't even realize it and we want to be called blessed. God wants to bless you but he defines the blessing. He defines the blessing. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I'm going to get ready to close. As I was wrapping up the, the sermon, God said, tell the people, I want my people to be people of the presence. I want my people to desire my presence. Not just my approval, my leadership, my favor, my blessings. When people desire the presence of God, if you haven't paid attention yet, I need you to pay attention now, okay? When people desire the presence of God, that's when God listens. That's when God listens. Because when you are for God, God knows that he can be for you. Where where there is a man, where there is a woman of God who knows God intimately, God's gonna listen. And God heard the prayers of of my grandma. God heard the prayers of my grandparents, of my parents. Because they were people of the presence. And I I, I love this dialogue between Moses and... In God, God had just told Moses to go without his presence. And Moses, being a man who was favored by God, he makes an appeal to God. See, this is what the favor allows you to do. It allows you to appeal. If I have no favor with God, who am I to even ask for God to reconsider? Who am I even to go before him and ask for anything But as a child of God, holy and anointed and appointed in favor, I've got a little bit of pull with my father in heaven. My prayer means something. James says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. The prayers of the righteous are going to be heard. They mean something. When you're a righteous person, your, prayer have, your prayers have credibility, and God listens. And so Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have favor in your sight please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So he's saying, God, if I truly have this favor in your sight, tell me what my next move is gonna be. Tell me what to do. If I am the man of God, if you know me intimately, if you have called me by name, if you have anointed me and appointed me and I am yours and we have this relationship where I speak to you face to face, if I have that type of favor with you, he says, also consider this nation. I wish I had it up here. I think it's verse 13. He says, but also consider too that this nation is your people. They're not just my people, God. These are your people. These are your people. We need People of God to say, Lord, consider my children as your children. Consider this ministry your ministry. Consider this business. This business is your business. If you're not in it, I don't want any part of it. Moses said, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. I will not lead a people who you are not leading. I don't care about the milk. I don't care about the honey. I don't care about the riches. I don't care about the money flowing or or, or the abundance of money in the bank. I don't care about having favor with the people without your presence. I've got nothing without your presence. There is no blessing without your favor. What am I even doing here? God listens to the people of the presence when they pray. Because God places, listen, God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. He's talking to a righteous man. He ain't talking to someone off the street who doesn't ever consider God's blessings or favor in their life. God is talking to somebody who has a desire after God's own heart. If God knows you intimately, that's when God begins to speak and put desires, his desires into your heart because he knows that he can trust you with his desires that he's placing in your heart. But you have to be people of the presence. You have to be people who know God intimately. And see, it was because of the righteousness of Abraham that I get an overflow of the blessings. It was because of the appeal that the man of God, Moses, made to God that the Israelites eventually entered the promised land and God remained faithful to them. He remained their God. Because of the holy perfection of Jesus, we have the blessing of salvation. Because I have parents who are people of the presence, I continue to receive the blessings and the favor of God when I walk in his ways. You want a blessed life, church. It only happens in the presence of God. I hope that today you walk out with that. Because God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your kids. He wants to bless your family for generations to come. But it only comes with his presence. His presence is the blessing. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you to stand. God gave a word to Moses to speak to Aaron. Aaron was a high priest. And so Aaron and his descendants would be known as what? Levites. The Levites were those who, they were, they were called to the priesthood. Levites were priests, and priests were to be consecrated. They were to act on behalf of the Israelites. They would make sacrifices on behalf of God's people. They would work in the temple. They were to have no inheritance of land like those given to the rest of the tribes of Israel because they were, they were to remain in the temple all the days of their life. That was their duty. De- Deuteronomy says the Lord was their inheritance. They were called to be the people of the presence. And so Moses gives this word to Aaron. It's found in number 622. It says, The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you Peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The presence of God is the blessing. Don't get it twisted, church. The presence of God is the blessing. Without the presence, there is no blessing. Without the presence, there is no favor. Without the the presence of God, there is no life. And this morning, I just, I, I can't, I can't make you do anything, but I'm going to ask that together we ask the presence of God to inhabit every single room in our lives, every single space, my God, so that it's not just me that gets the blessing, my God, but it flows over to my children and their children, my God, and my extended family, my God, through the blessings that you have poured into my life, Father God, because of your presence. God, make us men and women of the presence this morning as we seek you. I pray that we would find you, my God. When we call upon your name, I pray that you would hear us, Father God. I pray, Father God, that the prayers of the righteous people in this, in this place would move your heart, Father. Oh, in Jesus' name, I'm gonna ask that you come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.